Uh, what's up, everybody? Whale Talk episode 29 here. The last episode of 2019. Basically, the year in review. Uh, got my 10. It was hard. I was supposed to drop this a little earlier, but this was hard to drop because I was definitely... That top 10 list was definitely hard this year. And I say that was mostly hard because the fucking G1, man. The G1 always fucking kills me because I just want to put every match in the G1 in there. But I genuinely, I said, fuck it, I don't care. There could be zero WWE matches in this fucking list. People could call me a mark, I don't care. I'm going to make sure I I went back and I watched as much of the good matches that I could. Like I said, New Japan, I had that shit on lockdown. AEW, I had to pick from a couple. You know what I mean? Since it just started, but I had to pick from a couple. There was a couple ones that didn't make in it, but, you know, that's just personal preference. And I found one from NXT, two from NXT, actually, and one from WWE. I actually found one. Like I said, WWE Wrestling, WWE is in Raw and SmackDown have been not the greatest, but... We're going to get to that, to the end of the show, you know, skip to that part if you just want to hear that part. I'm going to talk about um, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. There was no AEW. They got Christmas off. NXT was also pre-recorded from random matches here and there. Good stuff, good stuff. Not bad. I should have called it the Evolve show. It basically was everybody from Evolve on there. You got fucking Austin Theory. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, fucking, uh, they had the promo package for, you know, the Capoeira guy, Arturo, I think his name is, I was like, Jesus, what the hell, uh, but NXT was fun, uh, Raw was not horrible, Smackdown, eh, the less said the better, but let us get to it, and I'll also pick my wrestler of the year, I'll try to throw feud of the year in there, I'll try to do some stuff, you know, female of the year, like, for me, personal, but, let us get started with Monday Night Raw. Christmas episode. This was pre-recorded. Uh, we get to it where they describe all the bullshit that Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins have been going through. Kevin comes out and he's like, alright. You know, Kevin's still playing the baby face that knows what the fuck he's doing. It's pretty great. He's like, alright. You know, let's come out. Let's solve this. Mojo Rawley comes out. And uh, I think I like Mojo. I've always been a big fan of Mojo. I think he's very charismatic. You know, in the ring, he can tend to improve. But, you know, that's what Developmental's for, which is now a brand. But it was basically a street fight, no DQ match. Uh, Kevin basically beats the shit out of Mojo Raleigh. Gets a bunch of chairs, gets a bunch of tables. Mojo gets some shots in with the chair to the back. Uh, but Kevin comes back, uh, he hits the hyperdrive in a stack of chairs, I've always loved that move, I think that move looks really cool, he just throws him into the air and like, pats his back down and brings him down with force, but Mojo screwed himself, he set up a, he set up a chair bridge with, uh, four chairs, and guess what happened, he ended up getting thrown on top of it, from the top rope, rough stuff, he was looking, uh, I think like superplex Kevin Owens, but he ended up getting thrown on it. But then uh, he was actually able to reverse it and throw Kevin on top of it, which looked pretty rough. Uh, Kevin comes back, hits a big super kick, uh, hits a senton from the top rope. Everyone throwing out those sentons, even fucking Dana Brooke. I'm like, where the hell is Jeff Hardy? <laughs> but Kevin always used to do a senton. So he gives him the stunner, pop-up powerbomb through a table. I actually love that he won with the powerbomb. Pretty dominant win. This felt like a fucking, like, uh, squash match show, because legit all the matches were almost, like, kind of, like, enhancement squash matches. 
Because, like, you had Kevin destroying Mojo. He cuts a promo. Seth is shown back there. He comes in and basically, you know, AOP beats the shit out of Kevin. Kevin's actually busted open from the eye. But Kevin actually walks back there. Uh, 24-7 title shenanigans from all that stuff. And then we get Big Bob Lashley versus Cedric Alexander. Uh, not, not a bad little match here again. Sucks. I don't know what the hell they did with Cedric, man. This dude was actually booming, getting momentum when he was shooting with AJ, and they just killed him. AJ legit killed him. He did, AJ had a pay-per-view match, killed him in five minutes, not even. Uh, Lana tries to interrupt the match with Cedric. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not the biggest hater of the whole Lana, Bobby Lashley thing. Like I said, I feel like Bobby, like, I like Rusev, but I feel like Bobby Lashley could do so much fucking more. Like I said, watch his shit with, like, you know, Beatdown Clan and all that stuff. I feel like Bobby could be doing so much more. I feel like Bobby Lashley is just very fucking underrated. Like, I think this guy's fucking great. And he can move how he can move for his size. And I like his moveset. He's got great fucking spear. Better spear than Roman Reigns for sure. But this is not a bad match. Fucking uh, Bobby with a beautiful fucking uh, King's Landing flatliner. That, that was nice. He just like threw this man into the air. Uh, there was a moment where Bobby looked like he was going to go for a Vader bomb. Which creeped me out. Because I'm like oh god Bobby Lashley high flying. That's weird. Uh, Sector makes a comeback, you know, hits a dive, a clothesline, hits the fucking Cone Julio dive to the outside. Uh, springboard and Zaguri tries to get the near fall. Lashley ends up hitting a version of the Dominator. Goes for a spear. Cedric kicks him in the knee. Cedric comes in, kicks him in the corner. Cedric goes for another clothesline. Boom, spear inside out. One, two, three. Big Bob Lashley wins. Seth is backstage, you know, talking shit as usual. And then we get Drew McIntyre versus Zack Ryder. Another pretty much squash match. Pretty much what you could think. Zack Ryder got destroyed. Uh, there was a spot where McIntyre belly-to-bellied him halfway. Like, the whole ring fucking size. Not even halfway. Uh, there was a spot where uh, Ryder went for her Karana. He went up and gave him a powerbomb. He gave him the Claymore kick. Done. One, two, three. Simple. Uh, I like how they're building McIntyre so far. I really wouldn't mind him winning the Royal Rumble, but I know it's not going to happen. My pick for that is actually Daniel Bryan, because I feel like he finally deserves it in his career. Hawkins comes in. Hawkins gets a Glasgow's kiss. Headbutt. He pretty much talks about how he's going to make 2020 his year. Uh, Becky comes out. Cuts a pretty good promo on Asuka. Asuka comes out, and she's like, I want to be Asuka two belts. So the only way I'm fighting you is you put your title on the line. Pretty good stuff there. I actually really like this feud between Asuka and uh, fucking uh, Becky Lynch. Finally, a Becky feud that I'm actually interested in. It only took like eight months. Uh, Aleister Black destroys Enhancement Talent. Buddy Murphy comes out, destroys Enhancement Talent. Uh, Aleister Black goes to shake Buddy Murphy's hand. So I'm like, so is Aleister Black now the baby face? Have they finally switched that? around you know what i mean is he still gonna be angry i don't know what's going on with alistair black honestly uh buddy turns into a dick alistair black kicks his fucking head off Rey mysterio promo backstage saying he's gonna take down seth rollins uh we get ricochet versus tony niece and i actually enjoyed this match i thought this match was really good like i said i am a big fan of tony niece especially ricochet too but i feel like tony niece is man underrated man i liked his rivalry with neville he was, you know, fucking the evil king and all that stuff. I thought they did some good stuff. Buddy and Nice, I thought, killed it at WrestleMania. I thought they had a great match. Everyone forgets that Tony Nice actually won the Cruiserweight title, I think, at WrestleMania, man. It's crazy. 
But I thought they had a pretty good match. Uh, cool spot where Ricochet goes to the springboard clothesline. But over, uh, fucking Tony Nese turns into a ball and gives him a fucking like short you can uppercut. Always a good spot. Ricochet comes in, gives him a super kick. Uh, fucking with the fucking uh, what's he called it? The recoil and gets the win. Charlotte Flair versus so we had Deanna Perazzo fight uh, Oscar last week or two weeks ago. This week we get Chelsea Green versus Charlotte. Chelsea Green is legit one of the top rising women. I think she's going to be right up there with Charlotte Bailey. You know all those people. She's fantastic, man. Sucks she can't use the Canadian story even though she should be able to because everyone in their mom is throwing those out. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got the Ricky Moore from the Rock and Roll Express throwing them out. But I thought this was a good showing for Chelsea Green. You know, she definitely uh, worked the heel shtick good. Cool curve stomp. She curved, like, double-armed curve stomped uh, Charlotte in the turnbuckle. That was cool. A nice uh, drop and drop kick. Worked the heel. I feel like this is what Charlotte needs because I feel like Charlotte's had a hit or miss year. Like, I still think Charlotte Flair is one of the best women's wrestler like, ever. I think she's fantastic. I'm a big fan. But Charlotte came back, hit the big boot, tapped out uh, Chelsea Green. But I thought Chelsea did great. I thought Deanna Perrazzo had a more chance to shine, which is sad. I would have rather seen it the other way around, but I thought this was a great match. Like, it, it, you know, it's an enhancement match. Another Liv Morgan promo, which, interesting stuff. Interesting. I don't know what they're going to do, but... Uh, we ended up getting um the club, the only, the OC versus Viking Raiders and uh, Randall Keith Orton. But this was, I don't know, I just feel like they've done OC way too much with Viking Raiders. Like, I'm just sick and tired of watching them wrestle. You know what I mean? I like the outcome of this match, and I like the, I gotta give Randy his credit. Randy sold his knee to the T. He sold it perfectly. This dude buckled on that knee, or he had me believing this guy was actually, like, hurting a little bit. I thought he did great. Uh, AJ did great attacking the knee, destroying the knee. I wish he would have done my favorite AJ move where he wore aims at the leg. When when heel AJ aims at the leg, he fucking gives it, like, 17 million elbow drops. But I thought this was a decent match. I'm just sick and tired of the OC, but it was a good. Uh, AJ got a win over Randy. His knee buckled. And he hit him with a phenomenal forearm, so I am okay with that because I did not appreciate AJ eating a clean loss last week. Street Profits, ah, don't give a fuck about the Street Profits on Raw. These guys are fantastic on NXT, but they have just become promotional men. Like, like they 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 lost already to the fucking Viking Raiders in a squash match. It felt like. So, who gives a fuck, honestly? Uh, Eric Rowan is still talking to his weird pet, and Eric Rowan fought one of the best jobbers ever. This jobber was fucking fantastic. I want to give him credit. His stuff with the candy canes was hilarious. But pretty much, he tries to give a candy cane to the pet, but Rowan gets mad. Rowan choke slams him, he claw slams him three times. Call it a fucking day. Like I said, apparently Rowan's one of those guys that's going to be getting a big push, but... I feel like WWE is going to pull bullshit and just make nothing in the cage. He's, they're just going to make him crazy, which is fucking stupid. I feel like they should put, some, like, I don't know, maybe put, like, a fucking crocodile or something in there. You know, put something. Put something cool. Like, you know what I mean? Put the fucking rat from Black Rain. Call up Goldust and be like, yo, my guy. Uh, Rusev comes out. 
was talking about Rusev Day, and this match pissed me off. This match was so stupid. I like Rusev. I like No Way Jose. I'm actually a fan of No Way Jose. His brother, and I got to be. You know what I mean? So No Way Jose comes out. Rusev comes out. No Way Jose and Rusev have a match. No Way Jose dances. Chops Rusev. Rusev his Machika kick. Done. I kid you not. Done in a minute. And I kid you not. Probably five seconds later. No Way Jose no-sells the fucking Machika kick. Gets up. So happy. Starts dancing around with Rusev. I'm just like, this dude just kicked your fucking head off. And you guys are celebrating. Like, why not just come out, celebrate, and not have the match? Like, why did Rusev have to beat the shit out of him, give him the Machka kick, and then he gets up, no cells, and just be like, all right. So he parties with the team. Uh, so fucking stupid. So we get Seth Rollins for the first time ever, one-on-one with Rey Mysterion. Uh... I actually enjoyed this match. I thought this match was really good. Like I said, I'm I'm a big, big fan of Seth Rollins. Always have been. Same with Rey Mysterio. But seeing Seth as a heel is just fucking fantastic. I love it. Uh, Rey Mysterio goes for the 619 early, but Seth is able to dodge it. He ends up tossing Rey all the way to the outside, right in front of the AOP. Uh, ends up working Rey's arm for a little bit. Gives him a couple backbreakers. I like how Seth has actually changed his offense. He's doing, like, some backbreakers, doing some rest holds. But he's, I don't know, like, it's cool how he still keeps his explosiveness. Uh, there was a cool fucking victory roll powerbomb to the outside by Rey Mysterio to the uh, barricade. I thought that was pretty sweet. Also, a great, Rey is always hits a fucking fantastic tornado DDT. Just thing of beauty. A uh, cool spot where Rey goes for a crossbody. Seth catches him, turns it into the buckle bomb, tosses his ass halfway across the ring. I thought that was a good buckle bomb. Uh, about the setup for the curb stomp. He's still doing the burn it down, which is stupid. I'm like, dude, you're a heel. That's dumb. But whatever. Goes for the curb stomp. Uh, Ray blocks it. Kicks him in the kneecaps. The bronze kneecaps. Uh, Ray gets on top. Sets him up. About to go for the 619 one more time. Hits the 619. He's about to go, you know, for the second part of the 619. Where he usually follows it up with a frog splash or some type of splash. AOP comes out, Razor elbows the shit out of Rey Mysterio, Akum throws him as hard as he can to the barricade, I thought this was good stuff, I thought this was good stuff, so we got the AOP beating the shit out of Rey Mysterio, they go um, to the announce table, this was the best part of the show, they go to the announce table, and they tell Samoa Joe to get the fuck out of the way, Joe looks them in the eye, and he's like, I'm not moving, you know, AOP is like, get the hell out of the way, Joe looks at him and he tells him, if I get up, it's going to be for a reason. And I'm going to beat the crap out of both of you guys. Joe gets up. Seth gets involved and he's like, no, 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 no. We got no problem with you, Joe. We've got no beef. We're going to do nothing about this. And this this was a good shot. Like, I don't, I don't feel like no one gives this enough credit because, you know, everyone hates Seth Rollins. But I fucking love Seth, so whatever. So this is cool. He pulls back the AOP. He tells Joe, no problem. He walks back. He has a six-mile... Smile goes away, and he just whispers, finish him. And then the AOP just murders Samoa Joe. Give the beats to this man. Powerbomb his ass. Shield powerbomb his ass through the fucking announce table. Curve stomp to Rey Mysterio on the outside. I I thought this was good stuff. And I, I'm hoping Joe finally gets what he deserves. Samoa Joe finally fucking gets his god damn 
title. He deserves a run with the Universal or WWE Championship. He deserves something. I feel like Joe is a badass champion walking around. Like he was in NXT, man. I know his title run didn't last that long, but this dude felt like a fucking molly whopping everybody in NXT. It was fucking fantastic, but that's pretty much Raw. Like I said, it wasn't offensive as SmackDown usually is, but I really like the ending segment, and I really liked uh, Rey Mysterio versus uh, Sefi. Sefi Rollins. Alright, time to review the A-Show itself, NXT. Like I said, NXT was really a collection of, like, uh, you know, matches from here and there. They were, like, you know, cutting to the studio. And we started off with Roddy versus the World. He pretty much brought back his Roddy versus the World gimmick. You know, Roderick Strong is having an open challenge for his um North American Championship. And I'm like, oh, they should have totally called it Roddy versus the World. That would have been sick. Uh, I was a really big fan of Roddy in our Ring of Honor. I loved that gimmick where he had the TV title and every week you just had someone come out. You know what I mean? Get the 15 minutes if it couldn't beat him. It was good shit. It was good shit. So, Austin Theory comes out. Uh, Austin Theory is one of the big, big guys in Evolve. Also in the indie scene, too. He's got a lot of, like, what is he? Like, 22 years old, and a lot of people, you know, are saying he's like a young Randy Orton. He's uh, very, very talented. He definitely looks the part. I'll tell you that. He looks like fucking Randy Orton and John Cena had a fucking baby, and they pretty much made the genetically perfect fucking man. He's tall, he's jacked, but he could also... He's very athletic. He can high fly, too. I thought these guys match... Started off a little slow, but I thought it picked up very well. They got a lot of time. And Austin Theory's definitely got to shine. I thought these guys had a great match. So, you know, Austin Theory and Roddy, they started off by chain wrestling. Roddy's a little bit surprised that he actually got out chain wrestled for a little bit. He got pissed. Ended up taking down, you know, fucking uh, Austin Theory. Bringing him down to his level. Austin Theory's using his power, though, to get the advantage on Roddy. Basically, you know, he's telling me he could do this all day. So, you know, that turns in Roddy into going to the little pit bull form where, you know, the chops come in, the beat down. Fucking, he starts paintbrushing him. Roddy turns into the cocky asshole that he is, which I thought was great. But again, Austin Theory keeps relying on his power to get him out of these situations. So what does Roddy do? Just fucking forearm in the face as hard as you can. Oh, I love Roddy, man. He just beats the shit out of these guys. Gives them the chops. He's beating the shit out of fucking Austin Theory. Austin Theory tries to come back. Mounts a little bit of offense. Fucking hits a beautiful standing drop kick. I mean, you gotta see this kick. Drop kick. This drop kick is Okada level, man. Not as fantastic, but it was just beautiful. And it was standing, too. And he hit Roddy right in the fucking mouth. It's funny because Roddy ends up responding with a drop kick of his own, which I thought was funny. I'm just like, I hate when wrestlers do that sometimes. Just respond with the same move they hit you with. I feel like that only makes sense in Japanese wrestling. Like, you know, in Japanese wrestling where fucking Ishii gets knocked down with a Larry and he comes back and just Larry the dick out of him. I feel like that makes sense there, but I feel like in WWE it just looks weird. Like, oh, you give me a sick drop kick? Bitch, I'm gonna give you a sick drop kick. Because it's not done with the intention to kill somebody how it is in New Japan. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like when they do it in New Japan, it's just like, oh, you bastard. I'm going to make sure you feel this one. Roddy with an angle slam on the ring post. Have not seen that before. That was pretty sweet. That was really cool. Looked rough, too. Uh, nice little near fall here where Austin Theory basically got hit with the angle slam on the pulse post. And he did not look like he was going to make it in. Roddy, this is where Roddy takes full control. 
Just beating the shit out of him. Backbreaker after backbreaker. Fucking locking him into these crazy looking submissions. But Austin Theory is just trying to fight back. He can't though. Roddy is just too much. Theory comes in. Roddy catches him. Backbreaker. You know how it fucking goes. Hits a couple high knees here and there. But finally Austin Theory is able to come back. Fucking Ali Shoto, fucking uh, uh, cross-legged uh, brain buster to the knee by Austin Theory. I, I see my boys been watching some Kenny Omega matches. I feel them. I feel them. Everyone should. So Austin Theory finally makes a comeback with that move. But Ren Roddy finally shuts him down. Puts him on the top. Like I said, this is a long match. It might be like I'm going through a lot, but this is a long match. Cool spot where he turns it into a superplex. Austin Theory hit torture rack bomb. Must be an AJ Styles fan, too. Uh, hits a torture rack bomb. Finally allows him to make a little bit of a comeback. Uh, he's on the apron. They start slugging it out. Looks like Austin Theory's going to do something crazy. Try to superplex Roddy to the outside or something. Roddy turns it into a backbreaker. Biggest of a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle. With the turnbuckle itself. Always love when Roddy does that shit. Always looks so devastating. Ugh. Like, that looks like your back just broke in half. <laughs> Honestly, he goes to give him a backbreaker on the apron, but Austin Theory tries to fight back. And this is we get some crazy shit. So he gets the fucking Ali Shoto again, and he hits it. The cross-legged brain buster on the apron. I thought Roddy died. I was like, Roddy's got a concussion or he's dead. He legit head first. Head first. I don't know how he made it out of that one alive. I'll tell you that right fucking now. Fucking Roddy Strong is a lucky son of a bitch. Because that should have hurt a lot. Uh, Roddy's giving him the combinations. He gives him the enziguri. Fucking super kick midway by Austin Theory. He's about to lock in his version of a flatliner. Fucking Roddy goes into superstar mode. High knee. Fucking uh, uh, end of the heartache. Stronghold. One. But it's a tap out. But this was a long match. But I thought it was good. It picked up very well towards the end like in, in the beginning they were kind of feeling themselves out and austin theory is he's got some good forms and then sometimes he doesn't like it's weird like i like austin theory he's really good he's very talented but i feel like some of his punches are weird like sometimes they look really good and then sometimes they look really bad like his his punches started looking really bad and then they got better i think as he got more comfortable probably i don't know maybe just not you know knowing roddy like that but I, I thought that was really weird because I'm just like, how the hell did his punches get better as the match was going on? Shouldn't they start off good and then they get sluggish? <laughs> but Roddy defended the title perfectly. A uh, great fucking match. Another fantastic match was uh, Jack Gallagher, gentleman Jack Gallagher. I guess he's back to being heel now. I haven't kept up with 205 Live sadly because some good wrestling on that show. Uh, I really liked him as a babyface. I don't know why they insist him going back to heel. But he was fighting Isaiah Swerve Scott. Isaiah Swerve Scott is on his third theme song change. Don't understand. The first one he had was perfect. It fit his flow. And it fit his character. And he was really cocky about it. It was great. Uh, this match was fantastic, though. I, I thought this match was great. I thought Isaiah Swerve Scott worked perfectly with fucking um, Jack Gallagher. This is also the second time they faced it. And they had another good match. But I think this match topped their other match they had on 205 Live itself. A while back. Well, this is another match that I got a lot of time. I got pretty good time. I think this match was around 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, pretty much Jack Gallagher is controlling the beginning of the match. 
wearing down, you know, a lot of royal holds here and there. Because, you know, this Jack Gallagher style. He's going to wear you down. You know, he is the smaller opponent to Isaiah Swerve Scott. So it makes sense. Work the ligaments. Uh, both these guys were fighting arm bars the whole match. The whole match, they would always go back to this arm bar business. I thought it was cool because it was different. Because, like, you know, he's trying to, like, Isaiah Swerve Scott is, like, trying to match Gallagher. Because, you know, he got his MMA training and all that stuff. I think he's also had a lot, a couple fights here and there. So the whole time Isaiah Swerve Scott's trying to work this fucking armbar, uh, Gallagher deadlifts him. Uh, Isaiah ends up fighting back with a fucking Hurricanrana head scissors. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool little spot. I don't know. I just like the way they were working the armbars, trading them back and forth. Uh, Gallagher takes a breather, you know, establishing that he's a heel. He takes a breather. Uh, he gets thrown out, comes back in, fucking uh, nice uh, pump kick to the outside by Isaiah Swerve Scott on the apron. Uh, I thought it was cool. Sounded good too. So like I said, Isaiah Swerve Scott is working the submissions again. Finally, they start throwing hands. Uh, like I said, both their hands are being worked, so both their hands are hurting. Like there was a spot where Isaiah threw a right hand, and his hand was actually hurting from all the armbar work, and then Gallagher threw a. Stiff fucking hand looking. That looked like a great right hand. Then his hand started hurting. He made Isaiah Swift Scott take advantage with a, a spinning lariat. Like, I, I thought that was a really good callback to the armbar. Because the whole time, Isaiah Swift Scott's holding his arm. And then Jack Gallagher's also holding his arm here and there. That was good stuff. Uh, he comes back in. Gives him the kicks in the middle of the rope. Again, selling the arm. Which I appreciated. Because I'm like, both guys. Had the same idea. I like when they do that. Where both guys have like kind of like the same idea. He comes in. Uh, fucking wheelbarrow. Uh, flatliner. You know, he does the little turn to a ball. It's the flatliner. Like good stuff there. I think that move looks great. Looks like a fucking video game when he does it, honestly. It looks like he goes to go for a dragon suplex. But then right away, Gallagher goes back to the arm. Isaiah gives him a backbreaker. Uh, they start exchanging, throwing... Uh, Throwing some chops and Gallagher with the spot of the night. Um, Isaiah chops him. Gallagher does the old Nigel McGinnis rope hung and he gives him, I, I, I swear, best headbutt in the business is Jack Gallagher. I don't know how he does that thing. Makes it look so good without killing himself or killing somebody. Oh man, best headbutt in the fucking business. Gives him a, a you know, a rebound headbutt. I really wish that was his finish. I thought he had it won, honestly. I would have completely been okay him winning with that headbutt. It looks so damn clean and so damn good. Uh, Isaiah's still selling the arm. And then right away, what do they do? Go right back to it. And they start changing the arm bars again. So he's, uh, Gallagher's going for the arm bar. Isaiah's going for the arm bar. Like, I don't know. I just really like the structure of this match. These guys had a point to prove trying to win with this arm bar. Like, legit, they have an arm bar battle again. But it's done in a way where it's like, it's good. Like, it just makes sense. Uh, disgusting fucking spot here. I hate stuff like this. I hate stuff to arms like that. So, Isaiah Swerve Scott gives up on the arm bar, ties his other arm up, ends up stomping on his other arm. Oh, that looks so bad. Hits the freaking, um, his, uh, version of the Enziguri or Shining Wizard, if you want to call it, for the win. And I thought it was a great match. I, I love the story of the armbar. Hits him with a big kick. House call, I think he calls it. 
just a fantastic match. Isaiah Swerve Scott is going to be NXT World Champion one day, I think. Dude's great. We get um, Candice LeRae. Like I said, I'm not the biggest Candice LeRae fan, but her in-ring work is uh, getting a lot more better. Like, I know she was always a good wrestler, but I just feel like it's getting better for me. Uh, she's fighting Tanara. I actually wish Tanara could have won this match as a shocker, but I feel like Candice LeRae does have too many L's on her column. I think Tanara is fucking fantastic. I love her finish. I think it's great. Bicycle kick while holding... Basically like a fucking... Um, a wind-up bicycle kick while holding the arm. I think that's great. A Rainmaker style, if you will. Uh, Tanara's trying to escape Candace the whole time. Candace is just following her around. You know, she finally ends up hitting, like, a crossbody to the outside. Throws uh, Tanara in. <sighs> well, like I said, Tanara's gotten so much better. It's crazy how this girl started off kind of like a little rookie. And uh, she's really great. Uh, ends up sweeping Candace from the top rope. She hits a turnbuckle. Hits her with a punt knee into the corner. Candace comes back with a mini drop kick. I say mini because she's so short. It's a mini drop kick. Uh, they're in the middle of the ring, both of them. Tainara hits her old finish, which scared me because I'm like, oh, no, that finish is back. Gross. <laughs> that, like, spinning judo slam. She made it look, Candace made it look really good, too. Uh, Tanara's losing her mind because she kicked out. She can't believe it. She's about to go for the new finish, you know. She's like, you know, bullying her. She's about to go for the new finish. Candace proceeds to tie her hair up and just beat the crap out of Tanara. I thought this was a great spot. I thought, you see, like, that's what I'd rather see from Candace. Her actually having, like, a little bit of a fucking edge to her. So she comes up top, hits a missile drop kick for a near fall. Candace still has the hair tied up, so she's in serious fighting business. Uh, Tanara catches her leg. It's about to go for the finish. Goes for the bicycle kick. The wind-up bicycle kick. Candace turns into Alliance Salt. One, two, three. Candace gets a clean win, and I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? I understand Candace is one of their bigger stars. Like, I'd rather have Tanara win, but Candace is one of their bigger stars, so I get it. And then we got Donovan Dijakovic versus, always forget his fucking name, Bronson Reed, the thick boy. Uh, I don't know. And Bronson Reed is cool. Like, you know, I just feel like he needs a better fucking moveset. Like, his finisher is a fucking splash from the top rope. That's whack. Like, I get it. You're huge. You're almost 400 pounds. But a splash? I, I, I don't know. I just think that's kind of whack. But uh, this was a good big boy match. Uh, not my favorite match on the card. I think this was the weakest match on the card. But Dijakovic is a star to come. Like I said, this guy is going to be big. He's probably going to win the North American title soon. Or bypass it and probably go to the main roster. Which I hope not. Because I feel like Dijakovic can benefit a lot from being in NXT. Because this guy is a star in the making, dude. Dude's almost 7 feet. He's got good promo skills. He can high fly and has a sick moveset. Come on, man. He's got the feast your eyes. So he's got a catchphrase built in. Uh, so Dijakovic is giving the business to Bronson Reed. Wearing, wearing the big boy down. Uh, they start chopping the crap out of each other. But Dijakovic gets the advantage. He tells him time to fly. And I'm just like, dude, you're not going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? But Bronson Reed comes back. Ends up sitting on Dijakovic. Just sits on him old school style. Uh, hits him with a German suplex. It's always so weird seeing a tall motherfucker like Dijakovic take a German suplex. Hits him with the Umaga hip in the corner. Uh, Bronson Reed's about to get him up. Trying to go for a finish. Ends up hitting a suplex for a near fall. 
Uh, Bronson Reed pretty much says it's time for the secret weapon. Uh, he was winding up to go to the corner. Dijakovic blocks it, gets him with a big elbow in the corner. He finally tells him, time to fly. And I'm just like, he's going to fucking do it. Uh, Bronson Reed is fighting back. He gives him the clubbing blows to the back, fights out of it again. Gives him the clubbing blows to the back, fights it out again. Finally, he's about to go for it. Dijakovic ends up hitting that combination he does. And he finally does it. Deadlift suplex into a beal. And that's impressive, man. Bronson Reed is like, what, 340, 330? And he just picked him up. And I feel him, man. When he says time to fly, I feel that. Just tosses him, beals him. Not with any trouble, too. He does it easily, which is very impressive. Uh, Dijakovic is basically going for the kill at this point. Trying to lift him up for the feast your eyes. Uh, Bronson Reed is fighting back with the elbows to the head. Dijakovic is fighting back with the stiff forearms. Big knees. Bronson Reed comes in. Discus boot. I thought that was going to be it, but it was a near fall. Dijakovic goes to the top rope. Boy hits a moonsault, man. This guy hits a moonsault like no other. Perfect fucking moonsault. Bronson Reed kicks out. Even the discus boot, I think that would make a great finish. I fucking loved when Cassius was using that as a finish. That's from the first person I saw that. Uh, it's about to go for the choke bomb. Bronson Reed fights back, boots him in the head, takes Bronson Reed to the corner. Bronson Reed gets to the middle rope. Dijakovic goes for the run, hits the rope. Bronson Reed just throws his whole weight into him, like a hug from the middle rope. I thought that was cool. Bronson Reed's going to the top rope, trying to hit that big splash. Dijakovic catches him, goes to the top rope with him. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to be dangerous. Uh, Bronson Reed fights out of it. Uh, Dijakovic comes back, tries to give him the choke bomb from the middle rope. Gives him the choke bomb from the middle rope. One, two, three. And I thought that was great. I thought that was great how he won with his signature. Because that's a great fucking looking signature. It's fucking choke bomb. You know what I mean? It makes sense. Because I feel like sometimes you don't have to win when you're finished. And I feel like that was perfect enough. Because, like, I totally buy that as a finish. Uh, then we get uh, Keith Lee, Leo Rush, which is Damian Priest, and Tony Neese. And this match is great. Keith Lee coming out with the cookies and the Santa hat. Uh, I This is definitely my pick. Would win. If they're not going to pick a real tag team, because they love picking the fake tag teams to win these Dusty Classics, which is stupid. But... The last real team I think that won, it was like AOP or something. But if they're going to pick a makeshift team, Leo Rush and Keith Lee are the way to go. Fucking awesome pounce onto Tony Nese, which was followed up by Leo Rush clear vaulting the fucking table when he was being chased by Tony Nese. I thought it was great. But Keith Lee is a star, man. So is Leo Rush. I'm a big fan of Leo Rush. There was a fucking part in the match where he gets choke slam on the apron by Damian Priest. Damian Priest is also a big star. Big fucking fan. So Damian Priest is about to go, you know, for the spinning kick. And fucking Keith Lee does that rise out of nowhere. And he does it with the Santa hat. Fucking great. I don't know. It just gets a good ass reaction every time. It looks great on camera too. So Keith Lee takes out uh, Damian Priesto. Takes him to the outside. Most... Probably another one of my favorite spots of the night. This is fantastic. Throws Damian Priest out, and Keith Lee is sitting out there. Tony Nese comes in, does a fucking dive, suicide dive. Keith Lee catches him like a baby. I kid you not. He has him like a baby. Tosses him. 
Fucking Damien Priest throws himself. Heathley catches him. Deadlift style. I don't know how he does it. Fucking fantastic. Deadlifts him up. Gives him a spare bomb on the goddamn apron. I'm like, he's dead. Like, <laughs> there's no coming back from that. He's dead. Uh, ground zero to Tony Nice. Ends up hitting uh, the, the final hour frog splash from his um, shoulders. That was cool. And I thought this was a great main event. I completely enjoyed this main event. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, NXT in a nutshell was great, as always. <laughs> it always is. Even the fucking clip show where they just have random fucking matches is great. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? All right. Smackdown. Ugh. Don't want to say Smackdown Live. Uh, we started off with Elias singing a song. Dun. Didn't bother me. It was kind of funny. You know, it was clever. Uh, I give him, I'll give him credit. It was clever, like I said. Um, it's being promoted. We will start it off with the main event of Baron Corbin, D. Bryan, and The Miz. Corbin comes out, cutting his usual stick, talking shit about Roman Reigns. Talking shit about how bad fathers Daniel Bryan and Miz are. I thought that was funny. Roman Reigns comes out, beats the shit out of him after he gets dropped by a stone man. It's being the crap out of him, so basically Roman beats the crap out of him. Baron escapes. Baron is backstage and say he now refuses to be in the match. Then they make the match one on one. This was the whole gimmick of tonight, and I thought this was fucking horrible. Uh, we get the New Day versus New Day and Braun Strowman versus the returning Sami Zayn. I'm always in the ring again. I thought he was never gonna fucking wrestle again. I swear. It's the Sami Zayn, Shisuke, and Cesaro, and this was a great match. I love this match. I thought this was a really good tag team match. And I hate six-man tag teams. I'm sick and tired of seeing them. Sick and tired of seeing them in Raw. Sick and tired of seeing them in AEW. I'm sick and tired of seeing six-man tag team matches. I don't even watch six-man tag team matches in fucking New Japan. Unless I have to. Like, I hate fucking six-man tag team matches. Unless they got the shield, I hate six-mans. But I thought this was great. Because, you know, I saw Cesaro. I saw Shin. I saw Sammy. You know what I mean? Even Braun. And even Kofi and Big E, they've been on a pretty good roll with tag team matches. So I'm like, you know what? I won't. I will give this a whirl. And MVP of the fucking match, Cesaro, man. I don't know what Kofi did to Cesaro. I don't know if this man owes him money. But the uppercuts, Cesaro was giving Kofi. He gave him an uppercut to the outside on top of the fucking announce table. Turned him inside out. Oh, my God. Gave him an uppercut when he was trying to go to the corner that just took Kofi, like, off his balance. It was crazy. Uh, another good spot where uh, they gives him an uppercut and uh, Shinsuke hits a sliding German suplex. Sammy didn't really do shit but stomp around. You know what I mean? Uh, good sequence in there when Kofi was going at it with Shin for a while and when Kofi was going at it with Zaro. Like I said, this was a really good match. Cesaro, I think Cesaro is just so fucking underrated, man. Like, I know I say it all the time. Uh, sadly, New Day and Braun ended up getting the win. But I get it. They're trying to give Braun that icy title. Give this man a title for once. I really like Shin's reign. I think he's having a pretty good run. And I really love that new title on him. But Braun deserves it, man. This guy is legit been shafted so much. Um, They did the thing where Braun has hips and he was dancing around. I thought it was... Kind of funny. I don't know. Like, you know, it's showing more of his personality, I think. Which Braun has a lot of, if you see him in, like, shows and stuff. Uh, Sonya is signing some stuff back there. And Mandy is just like, yo, what's up? Sonya's like, where were you in my match? I lost last week. 
And they're teasing something between Sonya and Mandy. I hope they're not breaking up. I like Fire and Desire. Otis brings her a cake. And I'm going to say this right now. This Otis-Mandy thing has been going on for so long. I think they're actually doing it pretty good on TV. I, you know, like, you actually feel bad for Otis. You know, he brings her the cake. And she actually seems genuinely fucking happy about it. So it's not bad. Uh, Carmella happened. Yes, Carmella wrestled Mandy. The less said, the better. Uh, Carmella, everybody. Carmella won. That's That happened. Carmella won. And she's on a roll, apparently. Whatever. My boy Seamus with the promo package. Yo, I can't wait till Seamus comes back. Those are words you never hear people saying. So we're going to get it one more time. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Daniel Bryan and The Miz proceed to have a pretty good little match here and there. And out comes the Baron Defense Force. The fucking Thronesmen. Uh, fucking Daniel and Miz kill them. Baron's just like, this is bullshit. I'm putting myself back in the match since Roman Reigns has been kicked out of the arena. Moment of Bliss with Lacey Evans. Uh, again, not the biggest fan of babyface Lacey Evans, but I think she's killing it. I feel like that's good. I feel like Lacey has killed everything they have put in front of her. I think that's fantastic. So I'm glad she keeps killing that role because I, I feel like Lacey also deserves some gold. So it's going to be Sasha Banks and Bailey versus uh, Dana Brooke and Lacey Evans. Dana Brooke gets dragged out there. By uh, ba- uh, Bailey and uh, Sasha. I thought this match wasn't bad either. Uh, so. I wish Dana Brooke would have done more selling. Because legit. They beat the crap out of her backstage. They bring her out. And there she is just acting like nothing happened. They give her the beats for a while. You know what I mean. Lacey ends up finally coming in. Finally getting her hands on Sasha. Uh, Lacey hits that impressive double springboard moonsault. Which should totally be your fucking finish. Should definitely be one of her finishes I think. So she's chasing Sasha around. Sasha comes in the ring, throws Lacey to the ring post. Sasha ends up tapping out Dana Brooke in about 2.5 seconds. And the heels win. I'm okay with it. Whatever. Uh, Dolph Ziggler shoots his shot at Mandy Rose. He goes back there and he's like, yo, you know, what are you doing for New Year's? Not doing nothing? Oh, what's that cake there? And he's like, oh, I heard that cake has cockroaches. Otis gave one to everybody. And Mandy looks sad. And then I look down and I see fucking brand new shoes on Dolph Ziggler. Like, I kid you not. These shoes look legit like he just bought them two minutes ago. I'm like, tell me this dude is not going to mess up these shoes to stomp on this cake. He stomps on the cake. And I could definitely see, like, make an example, Mandy turning heel and betraying Otis and lining up with Ziggler. But... I don't know. I feel like Ziggler needs to leave. Ziggler needs to go to AEW or something. Dude, like, such an underrated talent. But it would just be, you know, something for Ziggler to do where he just puts over somebody and then he lies. Uh, Great uh, build-up package for Mustafa Ali. I thought that was fantastic. Then we finally get the main event. Triple threat. Whoever wins fights Bray Wyatt at the World Rumble. It's The Fiend, too. We get Daniel Bryan, Baron Corbin versus The Miz. And this match was worth the whole SmackDown of waiting. Oh my god, I fucking hate SmackDown. But this match was great. Everyone should go see this match. This match was really great. Corbin was out there shining, man. Corbin shines when you just let him fucking wrestle. He starts beating the crap. He's actually the one getting the advantage early on. Beating the crap out of fucking everybody. He's beating the shit out of The Miz. Giving him the stiff forearms and the sprite shots. Miz starts coming back a little bit. 
Uh, Corbin comes in the cool spot. He throws Miz into to fucking uh, the post. He slides out while throwing the Miz. Slides out, clotheslines the shit out of Daniel Bryan. Choke slam backbreaker to the outside to the Miz, and Corbin's in control. Like I said, if you let Corbin wrestle, this guy is actually really fucking good for a big man. Like, I think he's pretty damn good. Like, I like Corbin's offense. I think he has a great moveset. The end of days is sick. Love the deep six. Like, he's got, I love the sliding clothesline. He's got some of the best right hands in the fucking business. I don't know, man. I just feel like they were really going to do something. Miz comes in. He takes out Corbin with a neck breaker. Brian's getting hyped up in the corner. Brian's giving the kicks to Baron Corbin in the corner. Uh, Miz and Brian take a turns, kicking the crap out of Corbin, giving him the knees. Uh, drop kick from the top rope to Corbin. Corbin is down. Everyone's down. Miz and Brian are going at it, exchanging uh, fucking uh, roll-ups here and there. They're starting going at it. Like I said, the Miz fucking shines like a diamond when he's in there with Daniel Bryan. I don't know what it is. Uh, Miz starts going in with the bad-looking yes kicks. <laughs> Tries to take down Baron Corbin. Gets him in the figure four. He's Miz has been really selling this figure four lately. Like, he's beat Ziggler with it a couple times. A uh, great spot here where Daniel Bryan gets the yes lock in. While Miz has the figure four. But, you know, the yes lock, he turns him around. So, he ends up applying the reverse pressure. So, he has the reverse pressured fucking... Attach with the fucking uh, yes lock or label lock. I, you know, I'd rather call it the label lock, but. Uh, Miz breaks out of it. He breaks up the submission. Daniel Bryan's getting hyped. Poor Miz. Daniel Bryan just always beats the shit out of the Miz. It's so weird. Miz is actually throwing chops and trying to fight back with Daniel Bryan. Uh, skull crushing finale attempt on BC, Baron Corbin. Deep six. Fucking near fall. Uh, Corbin takes out Daniel Bryan, puts him in the corner. Daniel Bryan no-sells that shit, tries to take him down. Daniel Bryan's about to end it. Ziggler comes in, super kicks Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan ends up getting uh, saved by Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns comes out, he takes out Ziggler, beats the crap out of him. And now here we go, the Roman Reigns show starting everybody else. Then we get Miz and Bryan. Uh, Miz comes in, corner clothesline, you know, that jumping clothesline that he does. He goes to the top rope, but Brian meets him there. And uh, Brian hits the spider suplex, but, you know, it's supposed to be like a German suplex, but I feel like ever since he killed a, a, a fucking Adam Cole, baby, because that was bad, he did it different this time. He actually ended up doing it with a regular suplex. So he re took a, did a regular suplex and did the spider suplex thing. That was cool. He's getting hyped up. He's doing his thing. Uh, Miz cuts him short on the top rope. Uh, Miz looks like he's trying to hit a super skull question finale, which I don't think he's ever done, but he ended up turning it into a super shin breaker, which looked really cool. I actually really like that move. He gives him the, the it kicks, you know, the bootleg version, the Great Valley version. Daniel Bryan gets pissed off, gives him the yes kicks, but remember, he's got that leg. He's selling that leg like a fucking champ he is from that super shin breaker. Like I said, Daniel Bryan's just a fucking fantastic man. Uh, gives him, tries to break his knee, gives him the knee DDTs, which I always thought looked funny. Well, Miz is applying the leg offense. He's setting up for that figure four. Like I said, this figure four is a thing. Miz goes for the springboard. Finally gets to see Bryan hit the Danielson special. He throws him up in the air. He turns it into the arm bar. 
Love that move. Uh, I really wish that was one of his finishes again. I thought that was a great move. Head kicks Miz. Miz and Brian are actually having an excellent match. The match that they should have been having at the pay-per-views when they were actually feuding. Miz is setting up for the running knee, the Bukaki knee, as is known. <laughs> Not really. Miz, skull-crushing finale. Brian kicks out. Miz instantly turns it into the figure four. I thought that was really cool. He, like, kept the legs tucked while trying to get the pin. Turns it into the figure four. Brian's fighting out. These guys are beating the crap out of each other. They're slapping each other. Brian's fighting him, trying to get him into the label lock. Gets him into a side label lock. Nothing to do. Turns it into the rings of Saturn, which I'm like, oh, that's cool. Then applies the perfect label lock. Miz taps. I really thought Baron should have taken, you know. I feel like Miz has taken enough pins, honestly. And Daniel Bryan fights the Fiend one-on-one for the Universal title at the Royal Rumble. Uh, the Fiend comes out, you know, regular Bray Wyatt comes out, I should say. And he basically tells him he's not done with you. You know, blah, 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 blah. And that's what we get right there. And uh, like I said, the whole SmackDown is absolute dookie. Just watch the triple threat. It was a great triple threat. Sucks that Baron got taken out of it because I thought Baron actually shines. Baron shines, man, when you let him. Especially what people like Daniel Bryan or like even those matches he was having with AJ. Baron shines when you want him to. All right. Time to close it out for the big thing. So I did not watch AEW Dark. I will be reviewing that. Now. I'll probably review two AEW Darks. I know, I know, um, I almost said Joey Ryan. <laughs> Joey, you know, did some Santa thing, but I really wanted to, like, cut this show from the other stuff to get to the top 10, my top 10 matches of the year, and, you know, talk about the year itself. So, pretty much from the start, Will Ospreay, wrestler of the year, to me. No one has given me more entertainment than Will Ospreay this year. Fucking Shingo Takagi and Moxley. You know, those guys, and Kenny, as always, they always they came close. Fucking, I feel like Shingo Takagi doesn't get enough credit for the man. That bombing Laria is like, that's match of the year candidate right there by itself. So, back, wrestler of the year, Will Ospreay, hands down. No one can tell me that Will Ospreay, I think Will, I don't even know. I'm going to check how many times Will Ospreay is on my fucking list. Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, let's see, one. And two, there you go. Will Ospreay is on my list twice. I wished I would have put him in more. I'm going to tell you right now, I could have put Will Ospreay on this list five times over. And speaking of that, quick New Japan. Uh, I ended up catching um, the the match between Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles, uh, Bushi, and um, fucking Hiromu Takahashi. Great little tag team match there. Couldn't believe Hiromu lost cleanly to Robbie Eagles. But then, you know, I saw the promo of Will Ospreay laughing at him, saying, dude, you get, you can't beat me. You're not ready. You came back way too early. And I feel like it's going to lead perfectly when Ospreay gets his fucking ass beat. I actually like heel Ospreay. I think he's doing a pretty good job. Uh, quick thoughts on that. So, yeah. Male wrestler of the year, Will Ospreay. Female wrestler of the year would be Io Shirai. I think she's had... She, you know, put it on paper, she hasn't had the greatest year ever, but I've enjoyed her matches. Her matches with Candice, her fucking moonsault off the women, fucking uh, he- uh, war games. I don't know, I just feel like Eos had a great fucking run this year. She's been my personal favorite woman of the whole year. Definitely, by far. Uh, tag team, probably, uh, the only tag team that I've been like, yo, this is, this is, this is, 
the tag team. I saw them live, and it was fucking awesome. G.O.D., Gorillas of fucking Destiny are definitely my tag team of the year. These guys are fire, dude. I, I hope they retain at Wrestle Kingdom. I hope they have the longest run with those tag team titles. I just feel they're great. Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa has really made a made of himself. Tonga Tonga is like, come on, dude. This guy's fucking gold. So, yeah. Definitely Will Ospreay as the best wrestler of the whole year. You know what I mean? Definitely um, Io Shirai is my favorite female of the year. Uh, G.O.D. is tag team. Definitely. I feel like all those guys have had great years. You know what I mean? But let's get to the top 10. Top 10 matches of the year. Uh, honorable mentions, you know. I'm going to throw some of those out when I remember them or here and there. Uh, Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole at Survivor Series. I know it just happened, but I thought I fucking love that match. That's an honorable mention. I thought that match was fantastic. I thought it was a good match. Uh, Fiend versus Seth. You know, I know a lot of people had sour grapes, but I actually thought they had a pretty decent match. I liked it. You know what I mean? I thought the Hell in a Cell match was cool until the ending, and then it just shuts it off. So I kind of throw that in there as a halfy. You know what I mean? And then the Fiend winning the title at Halloween was also not, not a bad match. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, fucking uh, Ray and Brock had a pretty fucking awesome match, which I wish would have gone fucking longer. And Ray would have beat him with his son. Help. Oh, that match would have been remembered for so long if they did it right, dude. If they actually did that match right, it would have been remembered for sure. Fucking his son helping him beat Brock. I thought that would be great. Uh, fucking, um, uh, Wrestle Kingdom, right from the start, you know what I mean? Um, honorable mention goes to Jericho and Naito. I thought they had a great fucking no DQ match. Naito delivering one of the best spike pile drivers ever where Jericho's hair went missing. I thought that was a great match. Almost made my list, almost. I, it's funny how Jericho's best match is his first match of the fucking year. Which is, I find, hilarious. Uh, fucking, um... Uh, Cody Bushi versus Naito for the G1. Almost made it on my top five, but... This was such a hard year for New Japan matches, man. Uh, Sonata and Okada, their last match. Fantastic. Just absolutely fucking a masterpiece of a wrestling match. Even Evil and fucking Okada... And the G1 was fucking fantastic, too. Uh, Sonata and uh, Okada, when Sonata beat him in the G1. I could have thrown that in there, too. That was great. Um, uh, Sack Saber Jr. and Cody Ibushi. I like their chain of matches in the G1, too. Just a lot of G1. I could have picked a lot of fucking G1. Uh, Pac and Kenny from AEW. Their first outing, I would have put on there. Uh, Hangman and Pac, their last match, or their second match I would put on there. Really good matches. Uh, Moxley and Joey Janela, train fucking wreck, but it was entertaining as all hell. I would have put on there as an honorable mention. I think that's it for the honorable mentions. You know what I mean? I think that's it. I think we'll start the list off. So, to number 10 on my list would be Will Ospreay. Versus Lance Archer, Vance Archer, whatever you want to call him. And the G1, Night 1. I thought this match was fucking awesome. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the match. Because no one's seen Lance Archer in a while. He 
comes in in the G1. He's got the murder hawk. He's got the bitching ass theme. He's got the whole new look. And I'm like, yo, Osprey is going to get murdered. And what does he do? He goes in there, debuts the fucking everybody dies thing, the everybody dies claw, and all that stuff. And he just destroys Osprey in a beautiful big man, little man match. You know, Osprey's trying to kill himself, trying to do whatever he can to this guy. And this guy just keeps fighting back. Uh, I, I just think overall, Lance Archer had a hell of a year. Like, I got to meet him. This year when I went to a New Japan show. And I even told him. Just like dude you stole the show to me with Osprey, You know. And I, I told him. Just like you have had one of the best years. In like your whole damn career. You know what I mean. And I just feel like he's doing great. He's he's the US champion right now. He's fighting Mox in a Texas death match. Which I actually hope he wins. You know what I mean. I actually hope he retains. Because I think he's a great example. Of what you would want as a US champion in New Japan. But. Lance Archer and Will Ospreay was a great match. Archer came in there, the unknown unknown. You know, let's be honest. The tag team with him, with Killer Elite Squad, ended. David Hart Smith left. I saw Archer was in there, and I'm like, yo, are they finally going to give this guy, you know, American Psycho? I was thinking, that no, this guy came in and knocked it out the fucking park. He did better than I fucking expected he was going to do, but that's my number 10. Started off with some New Japan, as always. Number nine would be Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT UK. Takeover Blackpool? I want to say Blackpool. 40. I want to say this match was 45, 47 minutes. And this match told a beautiful story. Like I said, I am not a Walter fan at all. Not a fan of him at all. I think he's kind of whack. But Tyler Bate... People laugh at me all the time. Like I say, Cesaro is. Tyler Bate, pound for pound, is one of the best wrestlers in the fucking world. New Japan, AEW, Japan, don't want to hear it. Tyler Bate can be up there with one of the best wrestlers in the world. This dude's only like 20-something. This dude's been this good since he was 19. And these guys told the story of Tyler Bate basically getting his fucking ass beat for 30 minutes. Makes a small comeback. Gets a lot of hope. And then gets chipped down by a sick lariat. Just a clothesline kills this man. And I thought this match was fantastic. You know what I mean? He was using moves from fucking uh, Trent Seven and Pete Dunne. He was trying to do everything he could to be the first man to beat Walter. And no, no. It just failed. But he failed in a way where he was the winner. Because he's the one that got the standing ovation. After the match. He's the one that everybody came out. And celebrated and said. Dude you're the fucking man. You know what I mean. So uh, that's my number 9. Just a great match. Almost an hour of wrestling in that match. And just so such great fucking storytelling. I thought this was a great fucking match. That's uh, number 9 for sure. Number 8 is Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. At NXT TakeOver when they moved it to Connecticut last minute. And the reason I didn't pick Gargano and Adam Cole in the 2 out of 3 falls the first time when the NXT was vacant title. I thought that match was good too. But, you know, like I said, Johnny winning the title was awesome. But seeing Adam Cole beat fucking Johnny for the title and everyone, like I said, it was a very pro Adam Cole crowd. And I was live. It was my first NXT event ever. That one speaks hard to me. So I had to put it as my number 8. It just speaks to me. It's special. To me. Because that crowd was fantastic. That match was fantastic. 
You know, and Cole won that match fair and fucking square, man. He won that match right down the fucking middle. So, that's definitely my number eight. Uh, number seven was Yum Bucks, Lucha Bros, Ladder Mayhem, Ladder Match, whatever you want to call it. I know some people could say what a spot fest, but I thought this match was fucking great. And I loved that the Lucha Bros won with the fucking, you know, package pile driver to stomp on the ladder. Um, fucking, uh, much respect for Nick Jackson for all the shit that he did to his body in this match. This dude threw himself through tables. Like, it, he, I, I, I can't even count the tables that were broken in this match. It was fantastic, but this was a war. Like I said, this was a TLC match without the TLC stipulation. Like, it, it'll be insane to me if these guys ever try to redo this match. Which you know is going to happen one day. But I hope they wait years down the line. Maybe like 2-3 years. But this match was great. I feel like it was underrated. I feel like people don't talk about it as much. Because it was just so crazy. It was insane. Now uh, that's my number 7. Uh, number 6 is Jay White, Cody Bushi G1 Finals. And this match told a great story. And like I said. I am not ashamed to admit it. I had a manly tear in my eye when fucking Cody Bushi won. Because I am a big Cody Bushi fan. Love Jay White also, but I was like, can we please give Cody Bushi the respect that he deserves? I want Cody Bushi to win the whole fucking thing. I understand the whole Naito situation, but if personally I could be, you know, a piece of shit and just pick my personal pick, I want Cody Bushi to be double champion. Or at least win the IWGP championship and make it to the end with Naito and Wrestle Kingdom, but that's Wrestle Kingdom. But this match was awesome. Basically, um, JY worked the knee of Cody Ibushi. Cody Ibushi, you know, he couldn't do all the crazy shit he usually do. He was using the Bullet Club. There was just so everything in their mom was against Cody Ibushi. And the fucker pulled it out. And he's the only person to win the New Japan Cup, the Juniors G1, and... The fucking regular G1, which something Will Ospreay, I feel like, is has to do soon also. You know, win the G1. I feel like he deserves it, man. He's proven himself. He's looking moved to Japan and everything. But this match had so much emotion. I was standing up watching this match going, I swear to God. Because, like, legit, if Cody Ibushi lost, I love Jay White. He's one of my favorite up-and-comers. I've loved him since Ring of Honor. He was a fucking generic babyface. But I legit, if Cody Ibushi lost this match, I would have lost my shit. I would have been so pissed. But this is just a great storytelling. Like I said, the, the redemption of Cody Ibushi in New Japan has been fantastic. Now that he's committed and actually signed. It sucks that Kenny's not there. You know what I mean? Still, like, legit destroys my soul that Kenny is not in New Japan anymore. But something I gotta get over, sadly. But that's my number six. Fantastic match. Uh, number five, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in the unsanctioned match. Like I said, I am usually not a fan of hardcore matches, but I give credit to these guys. These guys had this match. I was watching with my family, believe it or not, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like These guys had a match that you shouldn't be having on TV at this time. I understand it was pay-per-view, but I thought these guys killed each other. For our entertainment. And I enjoyed it. You know. I could have dealt with not having the headshots. With the cookie sheets and chair shots. You know. Like I don't want no shits to the head. You know what I mean. 
Which sounds like a fucking idiot to me. Like, oh, no stuff to the head, but, you know, barbed wire trampolines, fucking lit. But like I said, the barbed wire spider web thing, crazy. The V-trigger to the spotlight, crazy. The fucking going for the Cody Bushi Phoenix Splash and landing face first on wood and busting himself open. Getting hit with the Death Rider on the exposed wood. Oh, my God. This match had everything, man. This match had a lot, a lot of stuff. Taking the glass from the glass table that Moxley put him through the first night of AEW, grinding it up, throwing it into his eyes, giving him the sky high spine buster on the glass. Oh my god, making him crawl through the glass while he had the fucking sharpshooter on. There's a lot of stuff this match did that will stick to me the whole year. Like I said, I. I want to go back and watch it, but I feel like it's too soon. Because, like, this match legit had my jaw on the floor the whole fucking time. Such a good match. I loved it. Like I said, I, I understand it's a lot of 50-50. A lot of people hate on this match. But I loved every single fucking minute of it, sadly. Which makes me sound like a crazy person. But that's my number five. Number four is a match no one's fucking talking about, man. This is the match I had to fight big. Big right here. Moxley... Had a fucking banger with Shingo Takagi. Loved it. Moxley had a fucking killer match with Ishii. The match that everyone put on their fucking top. But I I went... I enjoyed Moxley versus Juice, their US title match. Their first match. Their first match, I enjoyed a lot more. Moxley's debut, Yes. I This is my number four match of the year. I've watched this match over. I kid you not, probably like three or four times. Because I couldn't believe that this was Dean Ambrose I was watching. Like, I fucking hated the Dean Ambrose character. Because I always knew this motherfucker is so much more than that. Like, I always knew fucking John Moxley. You know, Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him. Could be so much more if they let this motherfucker loose. And he came out with the... Probably one of my favorite themes of all year. I love his New Japan theme. I love the whole Death Rider gimmick. He came out. Had the barbed wire tights on. I was like, yo. Had the fucking jacket on. Said Moxley on it. Came through the crowd like the shield. And proceeded to beat the piss out of Juice Robinson. Table spots. And the whole time he was biting on his eye. You actually saw teeth marks. And he pretty much single-handedly dissected Juice Robinson. Like, I kid you not, he worked him, beat the shit out of him, hit the Death Rider when it wasn't even, like, the Death Rider yet, picked him up, hit the elevated Death Rider, which is now his main finish, and won the U.S. title on his debut match on New Japan. And I I was losing my shit. I was like, this match was so good. Like I said, I have rewatched this match. I love the rematch they had too in fucking um, the G1. They had a fucking fantastic rematch. I don't know, man. Mo- give me Moxley in New Japan over Moxley in AEW. Like, I understand everyone loves Moxley in AEW, but there is something about this dude that's special him in New Japan. I'm so glad he even said in the interview he's going to work Japan until he fucking is done. Because I was scared for a second that AEW was going to hold him back from doing New Japan and. Like I said, this guy, this match is fucking awesome. Uh, Juice gets no fucking credit. 
This guy is one of the most improved wrestlers I've ever seen. Even when he was a fucking NXT of CJ Parker, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. Because he knew how to work a gimmick. He knew how to work everything. You know, I was, I'm pissed that he cut the dreads and stuff, but he's trying to be more serious. But I fucking love Juice. I saw him live. He's fucking, he's an amazing fucking wrestler. Oh, such a, the fucking left hand of God is one of my favorite spots. How he just punches him straight in the fucking nose and sells it so good. And it sounds great. And he like fucking holds his hand. Love Juice, man. And that's number four, definitely. Moxley. Like I said, it was a fucking battle not to put all those Moxley matches, honestly. Like, I think um, they ended up picking him fucking as wrestler of the year in some places. And I, I almost didn't blame him. This guy legit has some of the best matches. Even his match with fucking uh, Taichi was fucking great. Come on now. Fucking Taichi. Uh, but that's definitely number four for sure. And we are winding down here. Uh, number three goes to a controversial match. I know everyone's going to be like, why the fuck is this high on your list? But I really enjoyed this match. I know the placement is kind of weird. But I feel like I had to do something with WWE and put them on there. Uh, Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Um, I was really pissed at their Mania match. I thought their Mania match was a piece of shit. He came in, he stomped them 600 times, and he won the fucking match. They actually had a real match at SummerSlam, though. Even their other match at fucking, um, fucking Electric Boogaloo, fucking, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia town was really good. But I thought this match was great. I thought their SummerSlam match was fantastic. You know what I mean? It was an actual real match of Brock actually selling and working. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, Daniel Bryan versus Brock, which is one of my favorite matches of all time, believe it or not. Love that match. I thought that match was just the way Daniel Bryan went into it, like a psychopath. I thought that match was great, but, or even AJ versus, see, I like this more than AJ versus Brock. And AJ versus Brock was a fucking masterpiece too, the first one. Because they were supposed to have that second one, but it didn't happen. But I thought Seth, you know, doesn't get enough credit. Like, to me, Seth Rollins is still one of the best in the world. And Brock is only when he wants to be. <laughs> and I think Seth has had, you know, decent matches this year. I feel like this hasn't really been his year. Because they ruined him by making him a fucking dweeb. And the whole thing with Osprey And the whole thing standing up for WWE. But, you know, I'm trying to get past through all that shit. And I'm trying to see, you know, the man that I saw in Ring of Honor, Tyler Black. I'm trying to see Seth Rollins. You know, the real Seth Rollins. And in this match, I got him. I got Seth Rollins at 100% in this match. For sure. Um, I fought putting this over Seth versus AJ from Money in the Bank. Because I was live there for that. And that match was fantastic. But I felt like it could have gone even like 10 or 5 more minutes. And I would have put it on there. But I thought Seth versus Brock was fucking great. And um, like I said... People, you know, probably won't agree with it at all, being on the list at all, but I don't know. I'm a big Seth Rollins fan, and I thought this match was great. Number two. Fucking, this was almost number one. This should have been number one, but I just kept switching. I legit struggled for almost like an hour switching this one back and forth, but uh, best of the Super Junior Finals, Osprey versus Shingo Takagi, where Osprey came out with the fucking katana blade, and he became the Dragon Slayer. This match had it all. This is why Osprey is the best wrestler of this year. One of my favorite wrestlers in the world now, man. Like Osprey has pretty much taken that spot from Kenny in New Japan. Like Kenny left, and Osprey came in there. 
and he's filling the mold quite nicely, which is crazy, but this match had everything you could think of. It had a fucking unstoppable, undefeated juggernaut known as Shingo Takagi, who no one had an answer for in like eight months. Osprey went in there as the fucking underdog. Basically, I saw this match and I was like, all right, Osprey's dead. You know what I mean? Like, Shingo's going to win the fucking title. He's going to be undefeated. He's going to fucking kill him. And Osprey hands Shingo Takagi his fucking first loss ever. Uh, this match, there's just no describing it. You just have to watch it. Storytelling, move-wise, drama, crowd reaction, just... This match is absolutely perfect. I love this match. It's so fucking good. It's so great. Like, I, I don't even know if fine words to say about it. it. It really should be my number one, but my number one, I, I go with the heart, man. I go I go with a very special match near and dear to my heart. Because it is, it is the... My number one is basically the match where I felt like I lost somebody. I felt like I lost someone important. I know, not to sound dramatic or anything, you know, gay, but... My number one match of the year is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega's last match in New Japan. And this match, legit, it gives me goosebumps. Because, like, I get so pissed and sad. You know what I mean? When Kenny comes in and he uses the hopes and dreams. And he has, you know, he comes out and he does, you know, the, the Bullet Club pistol you know, he's about to do the bang, and he says one last time. Bruh, I'm telling you. It hits me right in the fucking feels. Because I'm like, shit. You know, in my head, I'm like, no way. And I'm like, he means it one last time. You know, it sucks that shit ended so bad with New Japan and Kenny. Because, like, like I said... I've, I've been watching New Japan for a while. Thanks to TNA. I will always give TNA credit. I saw Hiroshi Tanahashi on an episode of TNA. And I was like, let's fucking go. This guy's lit. And Tanahashi's work also can, like, Tanahashi proved to me. You know what I mean? Not that he hasn't before, but he proved for the 100th time why this man is, like, the fucking ace of New Japan. This guy had an amazing G1, a fucking fantastic match with Cody Bushi, won the G1, and then they told the story of the old guard versus the new guard, and Tanahashi was not ready for change. Then Kenny told the story of a fucking old bastard who wouldn't let it go. It was like Kenny was kind of the heel, but he wasn't, you know what I mean? Because I felt like Tanahashi was also being a dick by not letting the future pass through him. Because he even said the future is not going through unless it goes through me. They did this awesome promo package. Well, I should say Kenny did this awesome promo package. I know New Japan didn't even want to air it. But it was a fucking promo package of fucking Tanahashi being an evil bastard. And they were doing it like an Undertale, you know, form like that fucking little uh, RPG. And Tanahashi was like fucking being an evil bastard. And fucking Kenny fought him in like an RPG mode. It, it this just the entrances, man, are fantastic. Like I said, Kenny's entrance is something special here. You know, he's got the Bucks with him. And they proceed to have the longest match. I think the longest main event in uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom history. And this match is great. I really wish it was fucking two out of three falls or something. That's how much I wanted this match to go on, but this is a great fucking match. 
And Kenny took the L. High fly flow. High fly flow. And then we just see just sadness, man. Like, legit. Every time I watch this match and I get to the end, I just get so sad. Because I'm just like, fuck. Yeah, Kenny's gone. You know what I mean? Like, there's talks of there's actually maybe a working relationship going to finally happen. And I hope it does. Because, like I said, people laugh at me all the time, the AEW marks. But I'm telling you, AEW needs... An extra oomph to kill. You know? Like, right now, they're getting bodied by NXT. NXT is winning. Because NXT is fantastic, of course. I normally like AEW more than NXT half the time. I'm not even going to lie. Because AEW is something fresh. Something new. NXT is fantastic. Like, every show of NXT is usually a 9 out of 10 out of me. But, AEW needs something, man. Imagine fucking, you know, like, fucking... Hiroshi Tanahashi coming in when he beats, you know, if he beats Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom, because Jericho's fighting at Wrestle Kingdom, and getting that AEW title shot, like, you know how much people would probably lose their mind, including me? Like, imagine Naito coming in, fucking Los Ingobernables, taking down the inner circle, because they got that history with Jericho. Imagine Kenny and Kota finally getting back together. Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks rematch, like... Like, that's the thing. Ben- New Japan would benefit working with AEW, but I honestly think AEW needs it more than New Japan. Because New Japan has their fixed audience. People are going to watch them, you know. You know, If they're, they watch, they watch. If they don't, they don't. You're either a New Japan fan or you're not. You know what I mean? That's what I always tell people. People say, oh, those matches are long, but then they're watching the same matches on AEW be the same length. So I'm just like, okay, whatever. But that is, that is, that is my match of the year. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenny... Like I said, my match of the year is always on January. It's always on fucking Wrestle Kingdom. And it's not going to change this year. My match of the year is probably going to come from Wrestle Kingdom. Especially if they're doing fucking two nights. Can't not wait to review that, honestly. Well, that's the 10. You know, that's the that's the top 10 for me. That's my... um. Took a while to put together. Will Ospreay, you know, MVP of the whole fucking year. And like I said, I'm pretty sure I'm calling it right now. My match of the year for 2020 is going to come from Wrestle Kingdom. And I can probably tell you what's going to be number two or number one. It's going to be Hiromu Takahashi and Will Ospreay. That is going to be number one or number two. I'm spoiling my list for the end of next year. But, oh, man, that's it for me. I'll get you guys next time. I've blabbed a lot, a lot about this, but that's the top 10. Again, sorry I couldn't get to AEW Dark, but, you know, uh, follow me on UUSK92 for everything. UUSK92 for the YouTube channel where I did the gameplays and everything. You know what I mean? Uh, Whale Talks Wrestling podcast all around, wherever you can find it. Spotify is the main source for me, though. And that is it for me. I will catch you guys next time. Peace out. Happy New Year.